Welcome to episode three of So We Think, talking horse racing before all the spring carnival days with Ben Way and Emma Friedman. Ben, it is great to hear your voice yet again. It's good to be back and it's holding together. I was a little bit worried yesterday, midweeks, long day, that maybe it would take its toll again, but we're on the improve. And by the sounds of things, I've infected everybody in Sydney. So I'm glad. Having coughed and spluttered my way through last week, I didn't get you sick. Somehow. You're I, invincible. I would like to think that, but I think I've just had every sickness under the sun due to my two children over the last four years. Hey, well done, by the way. Caulfield ah, Cup success. Thank you. Yes, it was good to see Sam get a win with or without a fight in the Caulfield Cup, of course, and nice to tip a winner as well. The rest of my tipping, especially oh. uh, the defeat of Riff Rocket in the Norman Robinson, was hard to cop. I mean, the sectionals were slow mid-race and, you know, that's got to be considered an excuse, but I think I'll still be on him heading towards the Victoria Derby. Your tipping's been considerably better than mine, which is Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> like, I stink, but I haven't got a $1.35 pop beat. That was tough. So that is something. Commemorative was my best for the day. It's gone down a lip. I still think that she's the horse for the 1,000 guineas. Uh, we'll probably see on Saturday. Mm. We get to see Arctic Glamour again uh, in the calendar Presnell. We'll see whether there's been an elevation once again. But, yeah, I wasn't unhappy with the run. I was just unhappy with how much money I got back in my tab account, which was zero. Even though they were short-priced favourites, I think both of those, Riff Rocket and Commemorative, put them in the black book. They will win yeah. a nice race this spring, that is for sure. Uh, so this Saturday, what a card we have. Mooney Valley, of course, the WS Cox Plate over the 2,040 metres and the Group 1 Manicato, which has moved to Saturday after they had to put it on the Saturday last year due to the thunderstorms on the Friday night. So they've rejigged the program a bit. What and are your thoughts there? I'm happy with it because I was there last right. last uh, year and it, it did work. It did work. It just elevated the day. And I think on the Friday night, having the Mooney Valley Cup there, I don't think it really detracts from the race meeting at all. I think that kind of race is more suited to the Friday and having the big, you know, group one for the sprinters to go alongside the weight for age championship of Australasia. I think it works. Okay. Maybe you you've agree? tipped me. No, I dis I disagree. Yeah, I like the Friday night. I think Manicato Stakes Night on a Friday night is the perfect entree to the main meal the next day. I will say to anyone who's keen for a punt, it's always been one of my favourite nights to have a bet Friday night because it is the hottest fence you'll ever see. Just do your speed maps, get your leaders, horses up on speed because the the rail stays in the true, true position, position for both. Yep. So it has to be hot to be even the next day yep. for Cox Plate Day. Great tip. Love that. And then at Randwick, we've got the spring champion stakes for the three-year-olds over the 2,000 metre, the invitation for the mares over the 1,400, the Group 2 calendar Presnell worth a million dollars and the Group 3 Craven Plate over the 2,000 metres as well. Okay, let's quickly rank our top five ever Cox Plates. Yeah, so this was... Hard, actually. Not hard to put a horse on top. I went with Winks. That seems a fait accompli. You win it four times. She was the best. In terms of which one, I went with the first one, only because the rest felt like they were just going to happen. There was one scare with Humidor. I think the third, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the fourth was a procession, as I think it was labelled in the call. But the first one was where we went, wow, we've probably got a star here. Uh, Maccabi Diva, I can understand why you would be interested there. I went with Year though. I had Maccabi Diva down in fourth, and so you think splitting it. How did neither of us, given the show name, how did neither of us put So You Think on top? Oh, tricky to do. I mean, I also threw – well, I put So You Think in third, and the reason I had Winks on top because she 
won four and that will never be done again. And I put her fourth in because it was such a celebration of her career. And then Maccabi Diva for the, her versatility and the wall of horses that came around the bend and then what she mm. was able to do to win her third Melbourne Cup only 10 days later. But so you think, you know, his first was amazing only at his fifth career start and then to do it a year later again at a dollar fifty, dollar forty mm. pop, pretty incredible. My fifth selection I regretted as soon as I saw your list. So I went with Saint Lee who I absolutely loved and maybe that was near peak race fandom for me at that time, late nineties. But when I saw Fields of Omar sneak into your list, I was like, that really was a great story. Huge. And a horse that just elevated itself every single time in that race. To win his first Cox Plate and then his second three years later yeah. as a nine-year-old. Yeah. Amazing performance. I had Sunline in for fifth, uh, her second one at that. Because earlier in the preparation, this is when the programming was a little bit different. She actually won the Manicato earlier mm. in the prep, so over the 1,200. And Ridiculous. then wait for age 2,000. What a superstar mare she was. Uh, just on the Japanese horse very quickly. Yes. Was that a punting story yeah. that tipped you over? It was... <laughs> It was a monster. Was it? And um, the ill-fated wedding, it actually got funded a lot by that. Actually, the wedding wasn't ill-fated. It was just the bit that followed. But it was such a good punting win. There were multis. There was one horror multi that went awry, but I had a lot of flip thousand guineas into Lagrassia. I forget which order they went in, but they were essentially the double. But there was another one, flip Lagrassia and Sandra and Elaine to win the Everest. He ran second behind Yes, Yes, that's Yes. Right. That was for 36. Oh, mm. oh, that's a tragedy. So that stung. But there were, a, yeah, there were just a series over the course of three months where any bet that I had, I'd just put a, an extra 10 on it into the Japanese horse. It into the Japanese horse. So, geez, it was a fun watch. Speaking of the Cox Plate, let's talk to a very special guest. Ben, I'm excited for this chat. This man, an absolute superstar during his riding days and now works uh, with the Chris Wallace stable in Melbourne. Stephen Arnold, winner of the Cox Plate on So You Think. Welcome to So We Think. We actually named our show after your champion. Yeah, that's great. No, great to be here, Em. Um, yeah, no, great memories this week, really, um, every year. You know, the, the Cox Plate, what a special race and a uh, bit of an honour to be uh, related with, well, remembered with a, such a great horse. We'll discuss your relationship with the Waller team in two ticks, but is there any jealousy is not the right word, but do you miss it when we get to this stage of the year? I definitely miss this stage of the year, you know, throughout the year. I rode for oh, 27 years or something, so no regrets that way. And I, I was a heavyweight jockey and uh, always had to battle with my weight. So that side of things, I don't miss at all, but I definitely, I'm doing a little bit, bit of work behind the barriers and that, and I definitely get the adrenaline rush when then big, when big races are on and the horses are filing down to the stalls and you see the, you know, the real proper group one horses. I really miss it then, but uh, that's probably the only time the, uh, when I see that uh, sauna as I walk past the jockey's room, I don't miss it so much then. How lucky are our Melbourne hoops or even Sydney hoops riding in Melbourne during this time of year? Not only to have Stevie behind the gates, but also Nick Hall oh, as well. Amazing. <laughs> You'd be a calming influence there, mate. Yeah, I see Nick behind the stalls. He's doing a great job, actually. He's really good. Uh, he's really good behind the barriers, and uh, he looks great. He's nice and healthy and well, and uh, he's a great guy, Nick. So uh, good to see him active and staying in the industry. And as I say, he does a really good job behind the stalls, so uh, he's doing well. You know what I'm filthy about in preparation for this chat? Obviously, a lot of the preparation we don't have to do. We 
we watched it. So yeah, it's just a, a trip down memory lane, which I'm looking forward to. But I did message Charlie Duckworth and asked him to call me. And I said, I need some dirt on this bloke. And he had none. Because he's which, the nicest guy. Well, so nice or boring? <laughs> no, no, I He said to me, you're as genuine as they come. I'll try to think of some dirt. He went off for a couple of hours, came up with nothing. So can I just say, for a man who probably a lot of people have dirt on me. There's skeletons in your closet. That says a lot in racing that he had nothing on you. Yeah, that's no, pretty good. It's either uh, boring or I've got some pretty close friends who keep things pretty close <laughs> to their chest, so that's good. But uh, I'll take boring. That'll do. I reckon it's the second. <laughs> yeah, I think it might be too. Hey, let's flash a flashback to your champion in So You Think. So the first Cox Plate that he won as a three-year-old, Glenn Boss, was on board. Tell us about how you built a relationship, I guess, with Bart and the team to then get on him the following year in a preparation that included a Corfield Stakes a Cox Plate, and then a McKinnon. Yeah, well, it was um, – I sort of had a pretty good association with Bart over the probably the nearly the previous eight to ten years. I won the Oaks for him early on in the 2000s, and, and we'd had a, quite a good relationship, and I worked closely with Reg Fleming at, uh, at Flemington. So we had a pretty good association, and um, obviously I'd seen So You Think around. I was actually in the Cox Plate the year before I rode Old Zipping, and he run third in the Cox Plate, but he was awesome that day. Uh, so you think, but you know, I never really thought that I would get on him. But he missed the autumn because he had a, th a throat uh, operation, and then when he came back in the spring of that year, he was in, you know, he's in great shape. Beautiful horse, as, as you'd know, he was a, it was a real rock star to look at, and um, it just happened. It sort of fell into place that uh, I was able to ride him in a bit of work before the McKinnon. And then I got the ride in the McKinnon Stakes, and I sort of thought that was a, cru a crucial race for me because I thought if if I win on him, I'll, I'll, you know, it's pretty hard to take me off. So uh, once he won that race, that was probably nearly the most excited I was for the spring. After that, it was a bit of um, you know he's expected to win, and even in the Copper Plate, he was he was a dollar fifty, and I remember. I was in the car just before going into Cox Plate Day, and you know it's obviously a, a, a race that everyone wants to win. I grew up. Uh, same as you, Emma, in a racing uh, family. So it's it's a race that you know you hold pretty close to your heart. And I was in the car, and I remember them saying over the on on the radio, "Oh, they're paying out on so you think in the Cox Plate." And I thought, "Oh, geez, just yeah. just let us get it done first, will you?" So uh, there was a bit of pressure going into the race, and it was more so a relief uh, when he won. So it wasn't that absolute, obviously a thrill, but more of a relief just to get everything right and get there and get the job done on the day. I was lucky enough to be on track that day and the great black caviar ran around as well a little bit earlier on. I think it was three races prior to that. It was um, it was a remarkable era, wasn't it? We had some absolute stars and I guess the shame was that So You Think then left our shores. Yeah. Was, was that one of the tougher moments for you? I know that there was, you know, there were Melbourne Cups and, and I don't know whether your association would have continued from that point on, but... It was so disappointing for me that he left. Are you saying I would have got the sack off him? After <laughs> I'm saying Bart was. I think quite you said at the time, colourful. is this right, Stephen? You said I don't know if he gets the two miles. Is that is that something you did say? 
Well, um, he was he, his whole preparation was geared towards the Cox Plate. That's the race we wanted to win. So it's a two thousand meter race. So his whole preparation, he went, you know, uh, fourteen hundred mile, eighteen hundred. So it was all geared towards the two thousand meters, and then he went and run in the um, McKinnon, obviously two thousand meters again. So it's a big jump to go from a 2,000-metre race and the pace of a 2,000-metre race. And he was an on-pace strong horse in a 2,000-metre race. So to go to the two miles was – I know he was favourite, but it was quite a it was quite a challenge for him. Um, and he ran amazing. Like, he was keen in the run. And, um, like, I presented probably early, but I would have been stopping him if I didn't present him. So I presented him and um, Americane came off my back and was too strong for us. It was a wet track as well, which made it more testing. So it was just a testing – it was a testing two miles that got us. I mean, his class was unbelievable that day. And I still think it was one of his best runs. So um, he didn't uh, – he, he did us proud on that day. And I thought it was an amazing run. But back to the question about going overseas, from a selfish point of view, obviously I would like him to stick around because, you know, the next year was Pinker Pinker, which, you know, no disrespect to her, but he would have he would have lapped him that next year. So – um, from a selfish point of view, I, I would have loved him to stay. But in saying that, I, I really enjoyed him going over there and he won five group group ones overseas and he ran in the good races. He ran in an arc and he ran in, you know, in America in, in, in those big races. So uh, I was really happy to see him go over there and prove himself against the world. Bart was, I mean, his assessment of the Melbourne Cup was probably what sparked my question there. And I thought it was a little bit harsh, but who am I to question Bart? What was he like? Was he a, a touch prickly? Was his assessment post-race all, always, because he was who he was, it was always so public. So if he was critical of the ride, it was almost like a, a public hanging. Yeah, for sure. Um, he was actually okay with me, but I think he sort of spur of the moment. Um, I'm not sure, you know, he thought he got there a bit early, but I think if you watch the race, he was pretty keen through. I had a pretty good position in the race, actually had a good run. And it was just the leaders were sort of stopping in front of me. My momentum was sort of taking me into it. And I didn't want to stop him at the time. So I rolled into the race. He probably got there too soon. But um, I thought he was always going to be a little bit tested at the two mile. And Americane came off our back and was obviously, he's a great horse. And he was he was the better stayer on the day. But, you know, I, did I go a bit early? Maybe. Stevie, let's talk about your, your life now. I go to 2,000. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know how they show yeah, the restraint that they do. Just relax in a run. Very difficult to yeah. do. Let's talk about your life now because for the last few years you've been working with Chris Waller in Melbourne and the team down there. Um, vastly different trainer to work for, I imagine, Chris to Bart. Um, tell us about your role with uh, with Waller Racing. Yeah, so I, when I, I did my last year riding in, in Mauritius um, and I rode a little heavier over there and I really enjoyed it. But when, when I come back to Melbourne, I sort of thought, oh, I can't, I don't think I can physically do this anymore. Um, you know, it's a very restrictive lifestyle and I've got a family that, you know, it's, it's quite restrictive on everybody and quite a selfish sort of a lifestyle. So I was happy to hang up the boots, but I've sort of ridden my whole life and I thought once I stop riding, I'll never ride again. And I, lo I, you know, I love riding. So um, I was happy to um, take up a position track riding at, uh, at Flemington. I did a bit for uh, Lloyd Williams also, but then he, he shut down his operation. So uh, I end up with Chris and it's, it's been great. So I, um, I go in 
to Flemington every day and um, ride track work there, and I really enjoy it. And I've been sort of been able to sit on some nice ones again, which uh, you know I was lucky enough to do as a jockey, and it, it's great to sit on those nice ones. Um, Nature Strip comes to mind. He's a, he was a beautiful horse and a great horse to ride. And little, um, not little, but he's a nice colt. Um, uh, militarise. He's in at the moment, obviously in the in the um, in the Cox Plate and Fangirl. She's obviously in there as well. So it's it's great to still you know sit on some nice ones. I'm sure you're under strict instruction, but are you just tempted? Say with Nature Strip, were you just thinking I might push the button? Yeah, here. let's go. Like, I'll, I'll never get the chance to feel this once again. Yeah. So uh, that would be a temptation that I I don't think I could tolerate. Yeah, no, it is. It is a little bit like that. I um, I rode Nature Strip and I was able to let him out a bit, so he ran pretty quick for me. But the other day, um, I rode Solcombe at Flemington in a gallop, um, and he was he was going. Re- I thought he was going really well, and I followed a horse. And I come to the outside, and Chris likes them always well in hand. And I worked with Ollie actually, and I said, "Oh, geez, I was tempted just to let this rip, Ollie." And he <laughs> he had a bit of a laugh, but uh, it's that you know that feeling that you sort of don't really get anymore, but. Uh, I, I, it's exactly as you say. Um, I, I was tempted a few times on them on them good ones to let them rip, but uh, my boss, Mr. Waller, probably not that happy with that. So uh, I'll keep them contained when I can. Well, let's talk about Mr. Waller's runners in the Cox Plate, as you mentioned, militarised the three-year-old, and then Fangirl, the winner of the King Charles the Third, um, only a couple of weeks ago. So you rode her at work on Tuesday. Zach Lloyd came down, had his first look at the Valley on Tuesday as well. How did she feel? But how is he going? Yeah, I've been riding him. That's the only day I sort of haven't ridden militarised. So I've been I've been uh, quite close with him. And geez, a beautiful colt. He's uh, he's push button. He's uh, does not put a foot wrong. Which is, you know, some of them colts are pretty exuberant, and obviously they want to keep them colts because they're valuable. But that their behaviour can be a bit suspect. But he he's beautiful. He's uh, he puts his head on his chest and just does everything perfectly. So that'll get him a long way. I think he's going great. I think he's running the guineas was good the other day. Visually doesn't look that good, but when you have a look at the sectionals, they went steady, quick and home. I thought he did a good job. I think he reeled off the best sectionals of the race. And it was just one of those runs where you thought three-year-old lightweight, he'll be closing hard in the, in the Cox plate. And, um, you know, from that gate, he might be able to lob a little bit closer too. And, um, I'm sure he'll be strong. He's always strong in his races. So with that weight, such a such a good um, it's such a good benefit to get that you know discount in the weights. So I'm sure he'll run great. Um, Fangirl, she she was terrific in Sydney the other day, wasn't she? She was like outstanding. Couldn't sort of couldn't go away from that win. I mean her little her little task is she goes up to the to the 2,000 meter meters of the of the Cox Plate, and it's always it's quite a testing. Testing 2,000 metres, they run uphill from the, about the 800 metre mark. They sort of gradually run uphill. So it's, it's quite a testing 2,000 metres. Like it looks like you're around the corner on your home, but it's actually, it is reasonably testing. So that's her test. But if she turns up in the, in the form she did the other day and all signs Tuesday, I thought she worked great on Tuesday. She had a look around last Saturday when J-Mac rode her. She sort of had a bit of a look at the, at the stands and that. But on Tuesday, I thought she ripped up really good. Um, very happy with her. She's very fit. They're both very fit. So if you're a punter and you like them, I, I couldn't, I couldn't sway you away from them. There's a big test coming up for a young jockey and we touched on Zach Lloyd, but I, I want to get inside the conversation that you had with him. He's alluded to it. He said, my first questions were about Mooney Valley and how I should ride. 
in a Cox Plate. And then there are obviously questions relating to, you know, winning a Cox Plate and how you went about it and maybe managing this horse. So can you shed a little bit of light on the conversation you had, not just about the track, but also about the Cox Plate specifically? Yeah, well, he sort of said, I, I haven't. I haven't met Zach before, so it was, uh, he's a really nice kid, actually. He's, he's, he's a pleasure to uh, to be around. And um, he said, tell me everything you know. And I, I wrote it on the back of a postage stamp and gave it to him. But um, so he, <laughs> he, he was great, actually. We went out at the Valley. And his first time ever at the Valley, I didn't know he hadn't ridden in Melbourne, but his first time at the Valley. And he was, him and militarised were both wide eyes were wide open so uh it was quite uh, it was quite good to watch but he was just asking about like there's a few little um things about the valley that are a bit different to most tracks you know you you go around the corner uh, at the after the post and they sort of run downhill and it's quite it's not that noticeable on television but when you get down there and you really look at it it's quite it's quite downhill the corners are a bit different but it's beautifully cambered so you can get you can get high on the track and make a run but all those little things i was sort of trying to explain to him in one sort of go, so that's hard. But uh, no, nah, lovely kid, and he, he's very talented. I've watched him ride, so uh, he's got no uh, no problems in that from that point of view. And I think he's uh, he seems like he'll handle the he'll handle the uh, occasion no problem. Uh, youthful exuberance, which I don't have it anymore, but uh, he'll he'll deal with it beautifully by the you know by the feel of the kid he is. When you've got as many wins as he has, but you haven't, I mean, he's not old. And He's he hasn't been around 19, that long. 20 but when old. you haven't got until you get that first group one, how much does it hang over your head? And how much would it hang over your head knowing that that first group one could be a cox plate? Yeah, I think it's it's probably a little intimidating to be going out there in, in such a big race and, and being on such a nice chance. But as I say, you know that youth sort of, uh, you know the sports people with youth, they seem to sort of not worry about it and take it as a challenge, which I think he is. And uh, I think he's very confident in his own ability. So um, yeah, that'll get him a long way. Can I ask one more? Yes. The man's one, got work to sorry, do. Sorry, one very quick one. I, I'm always looking for an edge. I always want oh, some inside work. Oh, here he wants something that's going around to Tatura next Thursday or something. I that's don't what care he, where yeah. it's running. They all pay the same, Em. You've, you're obviously riding a bit of work. You hear the whispers. Is there anything heading into a spring, maybe a youngster, yeah. into a race over the spring that I should be on? No, I'd, I, I'd sort of, I haven't got too much, I'll, um, but... In the big ones, I do like Militarise. I think he's going beautifully, and he's a bit of an obvious one, but I think he's still, you know, he's still okay in the market. So I reckon he's one you want to have a look at. Might be a touch too late to black book Militarise, but <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, I think. I mean, if he doesn't win Saturday, he's got a big future ahead of him, yeah. both on and off the track. Like he's already done his job, hasn't he? Three-time Group One winner. As is this man. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us, Stevie. Great to catch up, reminisce about So You Think and get your take on all the Waller runners for the Cox Plate. Absolute pleasure, guys. Thanks for that. Let's take a look at these Group 1 fields for Saturday, starting with the WS Cox Plate, the Weight for Age Championship of Australasia. And honestly, Ben, I look through this field of 12 and there is class and quality everywhere we look. Last weekend's Caulfield Cup, was a vintage classic Caulfield Cup, yeah. and I look at this the same way. Yeah, and we've got the international flavour, which is a lot of people say, do we need the internationals? What do they add? I just absolutely love it. For a storyline point of view, you've got Romantic Warrior who came here and was maybe felled a touch first run in the country, 
but you just know there's so much improvement there. James McDonald, it, it's a different storyline. But then you've got horses the calibre of Zaki that up until a couple of days ago was $26. And you're thinking, how deep is this mm. field? And in between, everywhere you look, Mr. Brightside, Alligator Blood has, you know, group one's Seven coming out of Wazoo. Uh, you've got Pinstriped, an up-and-comer. My Oberon's been group one competitive. Like, there's good horses everywhere. I love this field for the fact that you're right, the international flavour, but also, you know, you've got a couple of the three-year-olds down the bottom there who only have to carry 49.5 kilos. So Militarise is already a three-time group one winner. He's looking for a Cox Plate at what his 10th start. And then King Colorado, he's been a fascinating conveyance, winning the JJ Atkins during the winter carnival. And then they raced him wait for age conditions first up this preparation. And he was not disgraced in the Caulfield Guineas at all. So Mm. they add a little bit of flavour. You've also got the likes of Zach Lloyd getting his first ever start in a Cox Plate. He hasn't won a Group 1 before. He's one of of those apprentices from Sydney who, you know, there's been a couple of them like Tyler and Dylan. They've got the Group 1 and he's still had to wait and bide his time. And he's ridden a Group 1 favourite. He had Tiz Invincible who was drawn poorly. And to be honest, if you're trying to get your first Group 1, that was almost the nightmare. A horse that's questionable at the trip from a wide gate where you know there's going to be high pressure. I, I felt for him there. And... The past months, two months, I reckon Zach's maybe not gone off the boil, but he's not as airborne as he was. This is a huge chance. Massive chance. This is like, I'm so excited for him. He is a gun. Uh, I love his family. I love how close they are. I love the fact that they all get there and try and watch him and cheer him on in these. So, yeah, Militarise is going to be hard to beat. And, you know, there's a couple of other jockeys in there who yet to ride in a cox fight, like Jamie Mott, Ben Allen, and... Can you believe Michael D's never had a ride in a Cox Plate? Really? Isn't that crazy? Mm. So uh, we'll get to our tips in a bit, but there's a, a short little preview. Don't forget Fangirl as well and Jewess. She's been hitting the line for Edward Cummings as well. I know she's a tease. I'm well <laughs> aware that Jewess is a tease, but Fangirl, that win in the King Charles uh, worth $5 million only a couple of weeks ago, maybe she's the forgotten horse yeah. a little bit. No, I, I agree on that front. But you could mount a case for 10 of them. Yeah. And that's why it's good. That's when you know you've got a good race. And, you know, it's the best weight for age race in Australasia. And I look forward to it every year. Let's move on to the Group 1 in Sydney this weekend, which is the Spring Champion Stakes for the three-year-olds uh, over the 2,000 metres. Your best ever Spring Champion winner. Oh, yeah, I did. This took a lot of thinking. So I went with Tie the Knot back in 97. And you'll notice that a lot of my sporting best ofs uh, back in 97, 98, the Crows did the double around then. Pat Rafter, I think, was winning, uh, you know, (laughs) multiple grand slams, that sort of thing. Robert Harvey went back to back in a Brownlow. But Tie the Knot was just an all-time star. Nothing like a Dane. So I've gone back two years. By this point, you're, what, eight years old? Uh, Less than, I think, yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's a done deal in 2012. And then Yankee Rose and Savabile. So it's a strong list, um, but I could have really chopped and changed that order 10 times. I put It's a Done Deal on top. That was his first group one and then would go on to win the Triple Crown in the autumn. Uh, so the Randwick, the Rose Hill uh, Guineas and then the Australian Derby. Yankee Rose because she was the first ever filly to win the spring champion. Zavabile, um went on to win a Cox Plate that same year. Like yeah. that is incredible. Tie the knot because of his... 
I guess, the legend that is, tie the knot. And then Montefilia, who completed the flight spring champion double, which was a difficult thing to do. Well, that horse shouldn't be on your list after what it did to me last week in the Caulfield Cup. Quickly, a little preview of the spring champion. Plain. The market headed by Tom Kitten. Hard to miss his last start second. Yeah, He's undoubtedly the horse to beat. And I heard our traders talking about how, you know, you might want to push him out, but the weight of money is just going to make it impossible. Rough Attack has no shortage of fans, but I genuinely believe that's just people looking for a horse outside of Tom Kitten. From that race, there was only one horse I was ever going to be swayed towards. The asterisk horse, if there is one, is Tuta La Vida. So the I've Philly. been a huge fan forever. Uh, the flight stakes... I thought was the grand final. And now you kind of look at this and you think, right, you bring something different. You're always hitting the line strongly. I don't think you're that far off them. So that's maybe one if you were looking outside the favourite. But I'll be chips in. All right, out of looking at the spring champion, let's get into our best of the day, our best tips. Brought to you by Bet's Friends on the Tab App. Go and find a group and follow some of our experts for some good mail for Saturday's racing. Yeah, we've got a Black Booker's page there for Bet's Friends. I don't put that many tips up there, but I reckon my strike rate's good. Okay. It's better than my actual strike rate, which is deplorable. It's depressing for you. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But I just like to be involved in everything. <laughs> Best of the day, Renaissance Woman, around $5.50. Value play of the day, I'm going La Parain, which weirdly is a touch shorter than my best of the day. Cox Plate winner, Militarised Spring yeah, Champion. Hang on, value play of the day is $5? Well, it wasn't. It was, it was 8 So that's, I've been impacted. I think value has I to be over 10s. Then. Can we just all agree on that? If you've got oh, feedback, let us know. Well, I think best of the day needs to be more than $1.35. And if it is $1.35, <laughs> I think it needs <laughs> to win. Uh, spring point. champion stakes winner, Tom Kitten. Invitation winner, Magic Time. And Imperatriz walks in. Okay, best of the day for me. I am sticking with the Boom Philly and Arctic Glamour. Yep. And hoping that she can continue her winning ways and then head towards the 1,000 guineas. I really liked that win in the uh, Reginald Allen. I thought she was really strong to the line. So I'm excited about her. Gerald Ryan yesterday, he was he was still bullish, said absolutely nothing. He loves wrong. her. Yeah. Absolutely loves her. Yeah. My value play at the day at $51 mm, in the okay. spring champion stakes. Now, I don't think he's beating Tom Kitten, but for a bit of place money and to add into your multiples, I know that they had high hopes for Madatsu to head to the derby. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's going to be tough from here on in because that's next Saturday. But he's lightly raced. He obviously gets the trip. He's raced over the trip before. Just as a little each way, a little place play. That's for me. So for the mostly the place or are you each way? Oh, I'll be placed with like a slither on the win. I'm the place play. Hang there. on. Pause. With a what on the win? Slither. I'll say it one more time. <laughs> one more time for the people at home. Slither. Right, okay. So what you mean is a sliver, <laughs> like a sliver of cake. What you're doing is slithering like a snake. <laughs> uh, anyway. Anyways. What else you got? Cox Plate winner. I think Romantic Warrior will jump out of the ground. And if you read the play before his first start in the Turnbull, he was well underdone. Like if you read all the comments from Danny Shum, listen to everything that James McDonald said, like, he was not going to win that race. I'm not so, hating on the team there at Werribee at all. But I haven't liked what I've read about the facilities there and how he said, you know, Romantic Warrior will only be 85 90% fit because we haven't had access to the facilities I would have liked. Well, a part of that is the feed. So the Australian government not letting his feed be approved. So they tried one feed. He didn't like it. He didn't eat for a week or two. 
and then they've gotten a replica feed from what he usually has in Hong Kong, and that's made the world of difference. And of course, if a horse is off their feed, you can't pour the work into them. But no water work, uh, water walker yeah. either. Well, that's a discussion for another time. I'm with you on Tom Kitten. I think he just wins. Uh, I am with Espiona because that Everest form line is so strong, and she wasn't disgraced in probably the highest rating race of the year. And then in the Manicato Imperatrice, I just think she's an absolute star. She loves Mooney Valley. I think she'll be winning. We were a bit boring there, weren't we? That's okay. Grand predictions time. Let's recap them quickly from last week. You were unlucky because you uh, <laughs> looked at Zach Lloyd having a, a mammoth day out. Unfortunately, a few things didn't go his way, including he had one that bled, commemorative. You know, it was just a bit of a car crash for him. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Do we need to go into Anyways, it more? Matt Dunn been... did win the highway last Saturday, so it was a done deal. There's a side yeah, story no. there. I won't go into, <laughs> but there is a side story. Grand prediction for you for this Saturday. I think we're going to have the crowning moment for one of the stars of the sport. Throat's going. Oh. Oh. Zach Lloyd. I think it happens on Saturday. Be a fairy tale. First group one, a Cox Plate. And Can from you there, imagine? bam. So Chad Schofield's first group one was in the Cox Plate too. Yeah, that day was so funny. It was so um, great for him, but everyone in the crowd just went, who "What? Was, who was that? Who's this young kid? No, not the jockey, the horse. Oh, right. <laughs> who was that? Yeah, Seamus Award. Yeah. Uh, my big prediction is I wanted to create a headline here, True Romance, because I think the doubters will be put to bed. So me. Uh, no, Romantic Warrior winning the Cox Plate and J-Mac to win his second consecutive Cox Plate. Yeah, but we're head-to-head. Yeah, we are. Our predictions we are head-to-head this week. can't both be right. No, someone will win and someone will lose I've this week. I've got a bad week. feeling yeah. about this. Thank you for joining us on So We Think for Cox Plate Day and also Spring Champion Stakes Day as well. Download the Tab app, get into that. You in, We'll be together Saturday doing the 7 broadcast. Yes. So we'll that be. should be a lot of fun. Will be good fun. You've got a lot more to do than me. But prices, very important. Extremely important. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you again next week. What are you really gambling with? For free and confidential support, call the number on the screen or visit the website.